Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Our sermon series over the next several weeks is called The Bible's Believe It or Not. Uh, Maybe you saw it on Facebook. I really like the wording that's on Facebook, which basically I just ripped off Ripley's Believe It or Not, so I want to be upfront about that. But uh, here's what it says. It says, join us over the next four Sundays as the unbelievable comes alive right before your eyes. You will marvel with incredulity as you consider the curious commands of Jesus Christ. It's hard to believe, but undeniably true what Jesus asks the Christian community to do. The four weeks, we're going to look at four different things that Christians are to share, hold everything in common, that's for today, that Christians are to forgive 70 times 70, that Christians are to laugh even at and especially at themselves, and that Christians are to move on, to hold with hope the future that is held by Christ Jesus, our risen Lord. It is pretty wild, really unbelievable what Jesus asks the church to do. So over these next four weeks, we're going to be looking at scripture and we're going to be raising up those four commands to share, to forgive, to laugh, and to move on. And as we do that, I want you all to think about those four things. And I want each of you to think about the action that comes easiest to you. So when we talk about share, forgive, laugh at yourself, move on, which of those comes easiest to you? And then I want you to give yourself a pat on the back and say, good going disciple of Christ. And then I want you also to think about which one is most difficult, right? Which of those four things is hard for you? And then I want to give yourself permission to grow in that category. And I want you to give yourself encouragement to keep working at it, even if it's hard. And as we move through these four weeks, thinking of share, forgive, laugh, and move on. Good job. You'll be great at that by the fourth week, I know. But I also want us to think about that as a church community, okay? So think about that as covenant. Which one of those things do we do really well, and which one of those things is harder for us to do? So we'll come back together at the end of the series, and we'll compare our notes. We won't take a quiz, but we'll compare our notes and see which one of these commands of Christ, believe it or not, we so easily do, praise the Lord, and which one of these commands of Christ for the Christian community we need encouragement to continue to grow in. Now for today, we're looking at the topic of share. 
And the passage for today that I promise I'm about to read is from the book of Acts. And it's just after Pentecost, right? So it's just after the event of Pentecost, that festival day where a group of about 120 followers of Jesus were all gathered in one place. It was after Jesus had died and was risen, and it was just after he was ascended and that he promised that the power of the Holy Spirit would still come. It's at Pentecost that we realize that Jesus knows what he's talking about because the Holy Spirit does come in rushing winds and flaming tongues. And to explain this or to help understand this or to just put this in context, Peter steps up and Peter begins to preach a powerful sermon. And that's where we are today. After Peter has preached his sermon, after the Holy Spirit has come, we hear these words from the good news for the people of God. Those who heard and accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. And a sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. And every day they met together in the temple and they ate in their homes and they shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and they demonstrated God's goodness to everyone and the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So one thing you all probably already know about me is that I play tennis. That's right, you guys already know that. Um, well, recently one of my tennis pals won this 50-50 raffle. So it was at our tennis center and they were trying to raise some money for pickleball courts, believe it or not. And um, she won the raffle. And she, so overnight she gained a little over a thousand dollars. Yeah. And so since it was a community fundraising event, so many of us felt invested. And so I am sure she fielded this question a million times. What will you do with your winnings? So I asked her, we were paired up at practice back there working on our baseline strokes. And I asked her and she told me that she was giving half to charity and that she gave some to her sons, and she told them that they were to give half to charity too. Now, I happen to know that she's an atheist or maybe an agnostic. Uh, I'm not the only preacher on our team, but most of them are not church folks. So I gave her a little hint here. I said, did you know that if you were a part of the Christian community, you'd only have to give 10%. <laughs> and she was baptized that day. Just kidding. 
Just kidding. But the tithe is our 10%. And the tithe is a primary approach to sharing in the Christian faith community. Some might say it's the most important expression of the Christian discipline of stewardship. Now, the earliest example of the tithe, you may or may not know this, it's found all the way back in Genesis. It's with Abraham, after Abraham has rescued Lot and is approached by the priest of another god, Mechizedek. Well, Mechizedek offers blessings to Abraham, and Abraham then offers Mechizedek a tithe, 10% of all that Abraham has won in battle, and thus the tithing begins. Later in the Old Testament, we find the tithe again. It's connected often to agriculture, and it's this idea that 10% of the first fruits are set aside as holy. They're dedicated to the work of the priests in the temple. In the New Testament, Jesus, of course, who is Jewish, picks up the idea and the practice of tithing. Jesus, true to form, expands it and talks about general self-giving. And in Matthew's gospel, he reminds Christians, or the earliest followers of Jesus, of the importance of the intent behind the tithe, so that it's not just a duty, but that it's an action for faith, for peace, for justice. And in today's passage, in the gospel, uh, sorry, in the book of Acts, as we continue to learn about the earliest Christian community, we start to see that really radical sharing that defines the earliest church community. In Acts, it says that those who had more would give liberally to the community, sell what they had, and that those in need would receive more. Later on in Acts, we get this great summary sentence of sharing in the community of faith. This will sound familiar to you. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, in the PCUSA, Presbyterian Church, this is not the time you usually hear a sermon about tithing, is it? (laughs) We have that on the calendar, you know, when we're getting ready to budget for the year. We do talk a good bit in the PCUSA about stewardship. And we talk about traditional tithing, where that's members give 10% of their income to make up the operating budget of the church. But we also talk more flexibly these days that financial gifts we know come from assets. Or one piece that I read talks about a modern tithe where 5% goes to the church and 5% you direct to a nonprofit that you want to be in relationship with. There's also the fact that more and more churches see an increase in non-pledged giving. So we've seen that at Covenant too. This means that pledges go down, but that non-pledged giving, or what we typically would call passing the plate, has gone up over the years. And that's quite normal thing to see in the modern church. So whatever its form, that tithing takes, there are some things that remain true in giving in the church community. 
And these are things that, believe it or not, are rooted to that earliest community that formed in Acts so many, 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 many years ago. And these are things that we maintain as important because we believe that giving, the church giving, is primarily about faith, about forming our faith, about relationship with God and with God's people. So these things are so distinct, these characteristics of church giving, that I have come up with a new phrase to characterize what it is that we do with money when we treat money like the church in Acts treats money. Instead of giving, instead even of sharing, I want to call it the church give. So here, let me, let me back up and explain where I'm coming from. You all know that I spend a good amount of time with nuns in Coleman, Alabama. I'm just back from a trip there recently, and one of the phrases that I picked up while in relationship with the nuns has to do with your age when you are no longer operating in the world, but you are operating with the nuns in a monastery. And it has to do with the fact that the community of the monastery really averages around 75 or 80 plus. So when you're in the monastery, if you're 50, all of a sudden you are young. If you are 43, you're feeling really good. So the phrase that we came up with to talk about that in relationship to the nuns is that you're not young, you're nun young. So you're not really young until you go to the monastery and then you're non young. So the phrase that I've come up with to talk about what it is when we give in a faith community, it's not giving. It's not even sharing. It's when we church give. So when we church give, this is what it's like. When we church give, we give for the common good. When we church give, we give for the common good from our first fruits. So that means that we're not giving out of our surplus. We're not giving because we have an extra set of dishes and my mom just really wants someone else to take some of this stuff out of her house, right? We're not giving because we have three couches and we want someone else to take it. We're not giving because we got a big bonus that year. And here you go, church, here's a little extra to have. We church give means that we give from the first fruits of our income. We give as a sacrifice. We give because we believe that God calls us as a community of faith to put our goods to put our income to put our gifts before God because they have their origin in God that is the church give to give to the common good from our first fruits so that's one of the characteristics next when we church give we give to the common good 
And that means when we church give, we don't get to designate just what it is that we want our money to do. You all know this. You've been giving and participating in the church for many, many years. And if you're new, here's your tutorial, right? When you give, you don't get to designate that you would really like this to go to just this one thing. Or you would really like this to go to just this one person. We don't designate our gifts to one area alone when we church give. When we church give, we let go of our needs, even our interests, and we contribute to the common good for the spread of the gospel, just like the church in Acts. That's two things. We sacrificially give, and we give to the common good, And a third thing, when we church give, we know that others may receive more. We heard that in the scripture lesson from today, that those who were in need would receive more. When we church give, we are not looking for membership perks or VIP treatment. Believe it or not, it's an amazing thing to see and to be a part of. When we church give, we want everyone who walks in this door to feel welcome, right? But when we church give, we want the people who most need the welcome of Christ that day, for whatever reason, for whatever brings them in the door, when we church give, we want them to receive more. When we church give, That's number three. And then the last thing, church, believe it or not, when we church give, we don't actually look for a return on investment. It's really kind of wild. Again, something amazing to be a part of. There are no profitability measures or effectiveness comparisons on your investment. When we church give, we know that actually we may not get any return. When we church give, we know that we are contributing and we still might not like the sermon or be really into the music or like the way the mainline denomination is going or be a big fan of the direction of the church. But we believe, believe it or not, that we give anyway. Hard to believe, but undeniably true. When we church give, we enact, we say, we believe, we show that all that we have belongs to God. All that we have belongs to God, comes from God, And so when we church give, we return a portion. We return our share. That's church give. Can you imagine if you church give the next time you go to the grocery store? 
got your paycheck, you go in, here's $250, why don't you just go pick whatever you want that you think is good for me to have right now. And on the way back to the register when you're about to ring me up, if you find somebody that you think probably needs it more, you just give it to them. And listen, if you guys need to take out the chicken aisle because you just haven't been able to make that work this year, I understand. I'm not gonna go somewhere else so I can get my chicken. I still want this grocery store to receive my percent. Yeah, that doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> we don't church give when we go to the grocery store. We don't church give at the club. I feel like I'm kind of church giving at yoga because they made me sign up for three months and I really haven't been in a while, but that's because I'm gonna cancel next month, right? Church give. It's rooted in the acts of the apostles. It's a call from the Lord. It shapes us. It forms us. It's our faith. So during my recent time at the monastery, I uh, was getting excited for one of the biggest events of the week, which is every time we gather together, we spend one uh, afternoon after supper with an ice cream social with our prayer partners. So all of the women in the Wellsprings, which is the program I'm a part of for women in mid-career ministry, get paired up with a sister who prays for you throughout your time in the program. And we've been together before COVID, so that's a lot of prayers from Sister Cecilia, and I am grateful. But the only time we connect is once during our time there because they're really honoring the program for the women at the Wellsprings to rest, to be silent, to study, to be together in prayer. But the one time we get together is for ice cream. And so it came around to our most recent ice cream social, the week of the women at the Wellsprings, and we weren't sure if Sister Cecilia was going to make it because she actually is elderly, she suffered some strokes, she's in the infirmary, and we just weren't sure if she was going to make it down this time. So I was standing near Sister Therese, and I asked her if she would like to step in and pray for me, because I would sure take it. So Sister Therese and I sat down, and as we tucked into our pralines and cream, I realized that she is the treasurer of the Monastery of the Sacred Heart in Coleman, Alabama. So I thought, great, here is my chance to pick up the practices of St. Benedict and how they have formed the annual art of budget making, because I sure have benefited from their practices on prayer and worship. So, Sister Therese, would you please describe to me how you all build your budget each year? It was pretty straightforward. Benedict does have some things to say about possessions and goods, but the way it really plays out in the monastery is that each sister gets a worksheet where they would write down any unusual expenses for the year. So revenue is a pretty steady generator. Everyone who works outside the community contributes everything that they earn back to the community. There's also additional revenue from the retreat center and also benefactors. So the revenue streams are set in place, but the expenses can vary according to sisters. 
Someone might need a new pair of glasses or be taking a trip back to see their family that year. So as we were talking over the budget, it turns out that Sister Cecilia arrived. She was able to make it down from the infirmary. And she, it turns out, was excited to be sitting with the treasurer of the monastery. Recently, the worksheets had gone out. And here's one thing that Sister Therese hadn't told me yet, that on each of those worksheets asking for specified expenses for the year, each sister also got to put what they wanted to see, one thing that they wanted to see if there was any surplus. So Sister Cecilia said to Sister Therese, have you seen mine yet? And I thought, oh goodness, here we go. This is going to be good. Surely there's going to be a little bit of a, a tiff or an argument or here's what I really want to see, a pitch, right? Shark tank, here we come. So Sister Cecilia, Sister Therese said, no, I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. And Sister Cecilia said, well, I was thinking that if we have any surplus, I'd like for us to plant a tree. The May apple near me is beautiful. Well, yes, Sister Tree said, it certainly is. And then the conversation turned to gratitude over all the plants and the trees that that monastery and the grounds are really blessed to have. There's a locust so big that it takes three arm spans to wrap around. Sister Cecilia entered that monastery at 16 off of the plane from Ireland. And she has been so shaped by the common good of her community of faith. She was a teacher, she worked as a principal, and she never had a cent to her name. She also was in great need. She had a stroke early in her life, and she had more after that has been in the infirmary, infirmary, receiving care for quite some time. But whatever her wants, whatever her needs, she was shaped. She was dedicated to the common good, to the church give. And when there was surplus, she would like to see a tree. So last Sunday, here at Covenant, we had an Earth Day workday. People planted and tidied up. We had an HVAC tour. We participated in a competitive quiz. We shared a meal. It was one of those Sundays where the church just supplied the food, thanks to Shanita, who went to get it. 
But the church budget supplied the food. You know, often we'll ask folk in the South to bring the potluck. But this time, we just said, show up and we'll feed you. And it wasn't anything fancy from Publix, but people really appreciated not having to cook for themselves or not having to make their budget stretch for one more meal that week. People really appreciated that beautiful weather that day and just a chance to sit outside and enjoy the fellowship and the time with friends on the patio. The grand finale of the Earth Day event was the door prize for if you won the quiz. I tried to really build up the drama for it, but it turns out it was four hostas that we bought from the building and grounds budget. And if you won, you came forward and you claimed your prize. Well, wouldn't you believe it or not that one after one, as our prize winners came forward, they all said, just take that plant and give it to the church. We'll put it in the memorial garden for people to enjoy when they come and they pray and they visit their loved ones. We'll plant them in the patio next to these rocks we just painted for the kids in Spanish Academy to see and to enjoy and try not to fall off the ledge. Give the church back the plant for whoever will see it and be pleased for the common good. So friends, we may not give as much as Sister, well, we don't give as much as Sister Cecilia or Sister Therese, but we church give, and it shapes us. We church give, and that's why we tithe. That's why we give. That's why we share for the common good of this faith community to go to whoever has needs because we are joyful and it is a privilege to participate in the kingdom of God in the world. Believe it or not, Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.